So about four months ago, I want to tell you this story. Or no, sorry, about a month ago, not four months ago, about a month ago. On May 1st, uh, four children went missing in the Amazon rainforest following a plane crash. Uh, the wreckage of the plane and the bodies of the parents were located, uh, but the children were nowhere to be found. Um, and the kids were aged uh, 13, 9, 4, and just 11 months. One was still a baby. And so the Colombian government mounted a search, a search and rescue operation that involved over 100 members of the military and local law enforcement. But the kids were lost in the Amazon rainforest, right? It's the biggest jungle on earth. And it seemed like finding the kids was next to impossible. It seemed like there would be no way the kids would survive long enough to be rescued by the search team. And it seemed like the kids were as good as dead. Well, just two days ago, this is breaking news, the kids were located alive and brought back to safety, even the baby. It's an incredible rescue story. These kids who seemed like they had no hope of getting out of their situation alive were rescued and brought back and nursed back to health. It's just an incredible story. So you're probably wondering how this ties into our series on Jonah that we are doing this month. Right. Jonah's story is often our story. That's the theme of this series. And we often run from God the same way that Jonah ran from God. Well, when we run from God, we can often end up in some pretty deep and dark places. We can feel very, very lost. And just like the kids probably felt in that rainforest for the month, we feel like we have no way back to where we were with God. And But... The good news is that if we are willing to turn back from God, he can rescue us just like the miraculous rescue the kids experienced and just like God did for Jonah. And so I hope today we can learn from Jonah how we can turn back to God when we have run away. But before we get into that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for bringing everyone here this morning whether they're in person or whether they're online, I want to thank you for the gift of your word and for the story of Jonah. Open our hearts and our minds to receive what the story of Jonah has to teach us. Help us to see how Jonah's story is our story. And help us to see how that is both good news and a challenge. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So last week, Rob introduced us to Jonah, the person and the book. And so Jonah was a prophet, but he was not a very good prophet. A prophet's job is to deliver messages from God to the people, but Jonah only seems to deliver the messages that line up with his interests. So Jonah lived under King Jeroboam II, who was a very evil and corrupt king. He led the people to worship idols and he exploited the poor people in his country to increase the wealth of himself and his friends. But despite the king's evil deeds, Jonah seems to actually be a supporter of the monarchy. When Jonah gets a message from God saying that Israel's borders are going to be expanded, he was happy to deliver that message. But when it came to the king exploiting the poor in the country, Jonah was silent. And so now in the book of Jonah, When Jonah receives a message from God for the people of Nineveh, who were the enemies of Israel, Jonah runs the other way because he doesn't want to help the enemies of his king. 
He doesn't want the Ninevites to hear God's message and to change their ways and to receive God's favor. Jonah believes that he knows better than God what's good and what's bad. And he believes that those people over there don't deserve God's love and God's mercy. And Jonah's story is often our story. We often think we know what is good and what's bad. and We think we know who is or isn't deserving of God's love. And when it turns out that God doesn't line up with our expectations, we go our own way. So Jonah goes to the port city of Joppa and boards a ship to Tarshish, which is in the opposite direction of Nineveh. Now last week, Rob read the entire book of Jonah in the service. And so if you were here last week, or you're just familiar with the story of Jonah, you know that Jonah's attempt at running away doesn't go very well for him. To make a long story short, God sends a storm to stop the boat from going to Tarshish. And Jonah gets thrown into the ocean, and then God sends a large fish to swallow him, and Jonah is in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. And one part that's not included in the Sunday school version often is that Jonah has a lengthy prayer while he is in the belly of the fish. And that prayer is what I want to look at today. Because we can learn from this prayer and learn from Jonah's experience how God can bring us back when we've tried to run from him. So let's take a look at this prayer then. Verse 1, From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish and vomited Jonah out onto dry land. So, something that's easy to miss if we just skim through the book of Jonah is that Jonah in this prayer actually references an earlier prayer he prayed before God sent the fish to save him. Now, it's not mentioned in the narrative of the book. If you read chapter 1, Jonah falls in the water and the fish is the next verse. But here in this prayer, he references his earlier prayer several times. Jonah had to pray to God to save him first, and then God sent the fish to save Jonah from drowning. And this is important because the first step in turning back to God is realizing that you need to turn back in the first place. When we run from God, God is ready to forgive us. He wants us to turn back to him and for our relationship with him to be restored. But there's no reconciliation without repentance. We can't repair our relationship if we're not able to say sorry. So that's the first step. And then in the next several verses, Jonah elaborates on his experience of sinking into the sea. 
So in verse 3, Jonah describes the waves and the currents on the surface of the ocean. And then in verse 5, he describes being surrounded by the water on all sides, being wrapped up in seaweed. And then in verse 6, he describes sinking right down to the sea floor, to the base of the mountains. And actually, he sinks lower than the sea floor. There's the reference to the bars, um, which is probably a reference to the realm of the dead. Now, the ancient Hebrews didn't think of the realm of the dead the same way that we now think of heaven and hell. But they did have an idea that there was this place that you go after you die and you don't come back from it. And so if you are in the realm of the dead, you are beyond saving. Now, Jonah wasn't actually dead because he wouldn't have been able to pray the prayer if he was, but he seemed like he was as good as dead because he's down at the bottom of the ocean where nobody comes back from. He feels like he is as far away from God as he can possibly get. And at this moment, at this point where he feels as far away from God as he can be, that's the moment that he repents and turns back to God. So in verse 4, in the middle of describing this, this sinking, he says, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. And so at the bottom of the ocean, he will turn back and he will look towards the place where God dwells. And so it's often the same for us. Often by the time we realize we need to turn back to God, it feels like it's already too late. It feels like we're in too deep for God to bring us back. Maybe you feel like God couldn't possibly want you back after the things that you've done or the life that you've lived. Maybe you feel like you're stuck in a situation, a career or a relationship that you think God wouldn't approve of, but you can't get out of it. Maybe turning back to God would cause big problems for your personal relationships with your friends and family. Often when we run away from God, it feels like there's no way back. But even the bottom of the ocean is not too far away for God to bring Jonah back and to save him. And so Jonah writes, But you, my Lord, brought my life up from the pit, from the realm of the dead. It's this place that nobody comes back from. And yet God was able to bring him back even from there. Because the truth is that nowhere is too far away for God to save us. And if God can save Jonah from the bottom of the ocean, he can get you through whatever situation you find yourself in. Whatever mess you made running away from God, it's not too much for God to bring you back. If you are willing to turn back to God, God can save you. But turning back to God is more than just a verbal affirmation. It's more than just saying, I believe, or I'm sorry. When we turn back to God, we also need to make a renewed commitment to follow God and to walk in his ways. So last week, Rob finished his sermon by asking us three questions. First was, what do you believe about God? Second was, what do you believe about people? And the third is, how do your beliefs show in your actions? And that last question is really important Because often our actions show what we really believe. And so we can see this play out in Jonah's story. When Jonah is running away from God on the boat to Tarshish, he tells the sailors that he worships the Lord. As he's in the middle of running away from God, Jonah's words say one thing, but his actions say something completely different. And his actions reveal what he really believes. So here in the ocean, Jonah makes a renewed commitment to God. In verse 7, Jonah says that he remembers God. 
And in verse 9, Jonah promises to make new sacrifices in the temple. Now, remembering God might not sound like much to us. It might just sound like bringing to mind some memories that you have. But in the Old Testament, remembering God means remembering the things that God has done for you and in response, gratefully living according to God's teachings. When the Israelites are about to enter the promised land, after they've received all of God's laws and his instructions, they're told to make sure that the Lord and that they remember the Lord and all that he has done for him. And then later in the Old Testament, when the people of Israel go astray, it's written that they did not remember the Lord their God who had rescued them. And so when we remember the great things that God has done in our lives, our response should be grateful obedience. And when Jonah remembers God, he commits to making new sacrifices in the temple. Now, if you know the ending of the story of Jonah, if you were here last week, you heard it, you may be wondering how sincere Jonah's prayer really is. Because after the fish spits Jonah back out onto dry land, yeah, he goes to Nineveh, but he's not happy about it. He complains. And when the Ninevites repent, Jonah is angry and asks God to kill him. At the end of his prayer here, Jonah proclaims salvation comes from the Lord. But when salvation does come from the Lord to the Ninevites, Jonah is very upset. And so some people have suggested that Jonah's prayer is not sincere, that he's praying a prayer that sounds good, that echoes the Psalms, because he thinks it'll trick God into saving him. Um, I don't think that's the case, though. The Bible is pretty clear that God knows the intentions of our hearts. And so I think Jonah's prayer is sincere. I don't think you can trick God that way. This prayer really does reflect what Jonah thinks and feels and believes. But what he really feels and what he really believes still isn't totally in line with God yet. And so in verse 8, Jonah prays that those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. And this, I think, is a subtle dig at the Ninevites that Jonah has been called to preach to. When Jonah recommits to following the Lord and promises to make new sacrifices in the temple, he's still seeing himself as better than those people, because I'm going now to worship God, but they're still worshiping idols. And because they worship idols, they don't deserve God's love or God's mercy. And remember, this is a prayer. He's saying this to God. And so Jonah is still trying to convince God not to spare the Ninevites. He's committed to obeying whatever God tells him to do, but his beliefs about God and his beliefs about people haven't actually changed. He's basically saying, okay, God, I'm going to do what you ask, but I still think this is a really bad idea. Here's why this matters. Jonah's prayer is not the end of his journey back to God. And it's not the end of his growth. It's actually the start. We're only halfway through the book. Here in chapter 2, Jonah prays the prayer that he is capable of praying at this point in his life. And God accepts it for what it is. God is willing to take Jonah where he's at and work with him from there. God will deal with Jonah's wrong beliefs about God and about people later. So, for example, in chapter 4, God uses the vine and the worm as an object lesson to teach Jonah about the value of people. That work is still to come. 
For now in chapter 2, it's good enough that Jonah is willing to follow where God is leading him, even if it's begrudgingly. Jonah's journey back to God is going to be a long and ongoing journey. It is not a one-time event. His transformation won't be completed until the end of the book, or maybe even after the end of the book. Well, this is really good news for us, because it means that we don't have to have everything sorted out when we turn back to God. God doesn't expect everyone who commits or recommits to following him to have resolved every doubt or every question before making that commitment. He just needs us to be willing to follow and open to further growth. And the rest he will work out along the way. And thank God for that because I don't think any of us have everything sorted out, me included. All of us have places in our lives, big or small, where we're not in alignment with God's teachings. And God is willing to work with us anyway, as long as we are committed to follow. We can't stay where we're at, but we can start where we're at. And so I hope you can see now how Jonah's story, being our story, can be an encouragement to us, but also a challenge. Just like Jonah, we often run away from God when we think we know better than him. And when we run away from God, we can end up in some pretty deep and dark places. When we're in these places, it might seem like we're as good as dead and that there's no way we could ever go back. But because Jonah's story is our story, we can have hope even when we find ourselves in these places. And if we are willing to turn back to God, there is nowhere that is too deep or too dark for him to pull us back from. If we're willing to commit ourselves to following God, God will work with us wherever we are at and help us sort out the rest along the way. Does anyone have any questions? I'm not used to fielding questions at the end of my sermons, but I'm told this is the thing that you do here now. So, All right. If there's no questions, then I invite you to join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for bringing us back to you, no matter how far we go. Lord, when we run from you, we can end up in some pretty dark places. And I'm amazed every day that you bring us back out of those places. As far as the east is from the west, nothing is too far for your love. Thank you also for our willing, for your willingness to work with us where we are. Thank you that you don't need us to be perfect, because none of us could ever meet that standard. Lord, we are all still at various stages of working things out. None of us has it all figured out yet. So thank you for meeting us where we are. And Lord, help us to recognize the ways in which we've run away from you. Lord, we know that we've all run away from you in some way, sometimes in big ways, sometimes in small ways. And help us to recognize the places in our lives where we're going our own way and to turn back to you. And Lord, help us to continue following you because we know that our own hearts are weak. Often we commit ourselves to you and then right away afterwards go our own way. And so help us to stay the course to the end. Make us receptive to what you have to teach us. We pray all this in the name of Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.